With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Gentlemen, welcome back to the actual bulletin. It's Tuesday afternoon. This is becoming a bit of a usual sight. It's myself taking the convo, joined by Natasha Miko and Patrick McGilp. Natasha, there's no leadership contest at Celtic Park. We're all absolutely fine. We know we've got one man in charge and one man only in charge. Um, and now we've been able to watch the, the Celts in action, so we can talk a good bit about that. Patrick, there's obviously been other news, been no news signings um, in the past week. We kind of went through a wee spat there of bang, 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 but nothing as of yet, but hopefully we will see other new faces arrive in, but um, we'll kick off, Natasha, you and I haven't been on 
since we kicked off uh, the pre-season. Obviously, Patrick's not been on for a couple of weeks. What's been your takeaways from the SC Vina Victoria game and the, the Rapid Vienna game? The one thing that I've actually been really impressed at in terms of both pre-season games is the intensity that they played that and how for this stage of pre-season, you know, keeping it relative to that, I think we're looking very sharp. And I like the the tempo, I like the attitude of the players and I like the, the attitude of the coaches on the sideline. I mean, particularly in that first game, I thought it was a really good opportunity to really clearly hear that communication between the side of the park and the players on the park. And the demands that they're already putting on them in pre-season is, is something I like. And if you particularly look at the game um, against, against Vieira just there, um, it wasn't really like a friendly, you know, it didn't have many of the hallmarks of a friendly game in it. And it's something that Ange touched on after the game as well. Um, was that's a good thing, you know, that's a good thing because it makes it more competitive, it makes it more real and it advances the stage you're at in the pre-season. Um, so I really, I like that. Um, a couple of, you know, highlights for me, even just in terms of the attitude. I think we were five minutes into that game Um just there and you know Joe Hart's tried to take a free kick or a goal kick so quickly it's been pulled back by the referee I mean the fact that they're already at that sort of mentality in pre-season I think it's great and I think it's just an example of the the demands that Ange is making on them so yeah impressed so far obviously you know everything's not perfect but that's okay you know we were only two games into pre-season um We've still got plenty more pre-season games to come. Obviously, we've got Strava tomorrow night. And then even before the season starts, we've got Blackburn, we've got Norwich, we've got Legia Warsaw. So plenty of time to put it right. That's, you know, the luxury of having these pre-season games in instead of, you know, Champions League qualifiers is that while we're looking good, we're looking sharp, it's early. Yes, everything's not perfect. But the benefit we've got is that we have time to put it right. Yeah, we've got that time. Obviously, you know, as you've touched on there, we've not got these Champions League qualifiers, which other teams are playing at this moment in time. And, you know, one of our commenters came in to say, get our mistakes out of the way just now instead of the qualifiers. Patrick, obviously one of those mistakes was Joe Hart. Um, it's one that we, we might have actually got caught out with last season, just letting that ball run across your face a goal. Um, Thankfully, we didn't get caught out with it last season, but it's you know that this is the time to just cut these errors out of your game. But I think, as Natasha says, there's a real uh, impetus putting the, the fitness at levels at Celtic just now. They look really, really sharp for being two games into a pre-season camp. It looks good. We played the Rapid Vienna side. I think that was practically their second last or final game of their pre-season, so they were a good wee bit ahead of us in terms of the planning. All of this just feeds in nicely for looking forward to that Aberdeen game on the 31st of July. It does. A hundred percent. And, you know, that's what pre-season's for. It's for getting fitness. It's for sort of getting rid of those mistakes, the uh, getting matched up, getting ready for, you know, that Aberdeen game, as you say. And I think I think it was a Mikey Johnson interview I was watching where he says, you know, it's a very professional squad. There's no, there's not many jokers. So they've probably kept themselves fit, you know, over the summer. You've, we've seen, you know, the Japanese boys back in Japan, but you've seen guys, you know, sort of training, um, or, while they're off, you've seen Mikey training, you've seen the Japanese boys training. Guys like Callum leading the dressing room will have kept them all, all match sharp over the summer. Um, so I, it's, it's just about getting that sharpness. And, you know, the, the famous saying, we never stop. It's been changed to success, never rests now for the, the season ticket campaign. So, you know, I'm sure Angel demand the highest of standards, even the early days of pre-season. So I, it's all going well. 
Yeah, it really does feed in well um, to, to the season happening. Natasha, one of the players who I think has played you know, fairly decently um, in these past two games is Busan Labo. And Michael Ross has come in here to say that we seriously need a first team ready centre-back. I, I don't think he is ready to probably make that step up at this point in time, but from watching the game here on Saturday, it looked as if Julian was the inexperienced one com- compared to, to Labo. And at this point in time, from just what I've watched in pre-season, I'd be putting Laval in before I would have Julian anywhere near the Celtic first team. Yeah, I'm likely to agree with that. And he's one that I highlighted after the game on my Twitter feed is one that I was very impressed by. I'm not saying that he's first team ready or ready to step in instead of Carter Vickers or Starfelt. But what he is showing is that he does certainly have the potential to be a good backup option. Um, I think he's benefited a lot from the the season in the Lowland League. Um, And I think he looks like he is probably the one from that sort of B team that you would say could really potentially push for a place in the squad. Now, he's got a long way to go. You know, he isn't, you know, the the perfect centre half yet as we don't have one of them. But I've been impressed by him. I think he's looked solid. I think he's looked comfortable on the ball. I think he's put in a couple of really good tackles. And I think Angela has been really impressed with with what he's seen for him. And I think that speaks to the fact that he's thrown him into both games so far. Um, And I think he's done himself absolutely no harm. I think he's looked good. I still think we probably need to go out and get a, a more experienced centre-half to come in. But, yeah, I've been impressed with him. Um, so he's, he's definitely not done himself any harm. And I think a, probably a very good example of the way that the B team can be used to feed into the first team. We'll come on and talk about that later, I'm sure. But impressed by Lawell and look forward to seeing more from him. Yeah, there's other people commenting on here that look as if they quite fancy Big Labo. Um, David Ferguson's came in and he said that he thinks he's ahead of, of Julian for him. And uh, another comment has come in here to say that he's a fan of uh, Busson. Um, he can really put in a shift. Yeah, he can put in a shift. Another day, he did look as if, you know, as I say, he looked like the experienced one compared to, to Julian. Patrick, is that harsh on Julian just due to the, the lack of game time that he's had that he needs to get up to, feed, uh, up to speed? Or should they be expecting more from the big Frenchman? Um, no, I think you know. Yeah, I think he's what played twelve um, uh, competitive minutes in the past eighteen months. So it's going to take time for him to get up to speed. But you know, if he's looking, if he's looking like the uh, the junior partner in a centre back pairing with a guy who's never played a professional minute for Celtic, then it's not looking good. Um, but interesting to see if we'd still try and get him out on loan because uh, obviously that Schalke move fell through. But then he's playing minutes in the pre season, so I don't know whether he's, you know, I'm just trying to get him into the plans to maybe get a fee from in January or next summer. But, yeah, it doesn't really bode well if, if uh, a youngster's looking better than him, but then it bodes well for Celtic because, you know, that's a guy that we can sort of look to and say, well, we kind of trust you here, especially in domestic games, if he's looking comfortable enough in what was a relatively competitive game uh, with, with Rapid Vienna. You know, I, I, don't, I think all three of us were there in April for the, um, the under-21s game, the B game, and... I don't know about you two, but in my opinion, Laval looked the better of the two centre-backs for Celtic that night. So, he seems to be impressing. Yeah, I think he's actually the best player that night, Patrick. I think, you know, looking at it, 
you know, we were there. I don't think it was a very good game. I think the quality was pretty low and came away relatively unimpressed by it, being honest. I think I think we all were. That went for both sides, to be honest. Um, but if you have to pick a highlight from it, I think it was Laval. So it doesn't surprise me that he's been given this opportunity to go away with the first team um, for pre-season and show what he can do there. Because we know Andrew's in attendance at that game. Um, he'll be getting feedback from, from the B-team management set-up. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that he's been taken away and it's uh, good for him to get the opportunity, especially, you know, we saw him for the first 45 against, you know, our, our first pre-season game. Obviously, it was a lower level of opposition. So it was going to be really interesting to see how he did against Vienna and that step up of opposition who are much closer to the start of their season, better in fitness, ready to go in their competitive games. So to put him in against them and I'm still look relatively solid, I think, yeah, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, that's a good sign. Um, to come back in this one, Natasha, obviously we saw Stephen Wells featured, but, but we're seeing you know, a, a position that we, we don't have a lot of depth in really because of Starfield's injury. Um, the, the most recent update said that he would miss pre-season, but hopefully he'd be back for a Sabah game. I, I still would like Celtic to strengthen in that department. Do you think that, that Stephen Wills is first team ready? I certainly think he could go in and do a job for us in the league. I don't think he'd have any problems in that, but I think when it comes to that step up of the Champions League, I wouldn't be too comfortable as going in there. That's no disrespect to Stephen Welsh at his point in time. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Welsh has, has played that role, you know, relatively often for Celtic now, you know, when we, we didn't have either Starfield or Carter Vickers, you know, he did step up and he did play there for a good proportion of games. And, you know, Joe, he was fine. I haven't, to be honest, I haven't been too impressed with what I've seen this pre-season yet. Obviously, it's early and I'm not going to, you know, make any massive judgment on the basis of that. But we don't really need pre-season to judge Stephen Welsh too much. We've already seen him. We know what he's got. We know what he's capable of. We know the sort of player he is. Um, and while I don't think he did anything particularly wrong during the spell in the first team, I think what you've said is right, Declan, is that if we are going to look to advance, progress, um you know, make a make our mark in the Champions League. Then we we are going to need a stronger centre half there than Stephen Welsh. But in terms of backup, in terms of of league, then I I wouldn't have any concerns about putting Welsh in with one of the more experienced centre halves. But I agree with you that another centre half needs to be a priority. Lawell and Welsh's backup seems okay for me. Yeah, um, another position probably you could look at there, Patrick, is a right-back position. We've had Bigger Sazio Regidi playing in there at right-back. He's looked okay, but again, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't think he'd be first-team resi. The only reason he's probably playing there is because I think Ralston had a wee bit of knock and Juranovic coming back from the Croatia camp as well just wasn't quite there. But um, again, would you be looking to maybe get Sazio Regidi out in a loan move or would you just be looking to shift him? Permanently because he did come in with Liam Shaw just before Ange Postecoglou, and you can tell that Ange really didn't have any kind of say in those signings. And I think the two of them, you know, would be what they would probably classes above uh, B team level. Yeah, I don't think there's any harm in giving him another uh, year out in loan. Um, you know, I think he's only 21, um, 21, 22. So, you know, if you get guys older than that that were saying maybe keep for an extra year, uh, put them out on loan so I don't think there's any harm in another loan I think the strange one was he went out on loan for six months at the end of last season and I think they had an option to buy that they never took so yeah. it's very interesting the guy I mean he's he's obviously he's built like a football he's built like uh, uh, a bodybuilder almost but he still looks a bit raw even though he's been playing football for you know 10-15 years it's it's a very strange one um I'd be willing to send him out loan, I think, if he played regularly and then see what he's like maybe six months into that. Um, 
and then you can make a decision because you never know. You, you know, just look at Jack Henry playing for another team. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That very team. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's but he, uh, you know, his resurgence in, uh, in Belgium and he's now, you know, big money moved to Bruges and he's doing fairly well there. He'll be playing in the Champions League next season. Same pot as Celtic. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot there. But I think, Natasha, just for me, Bernabe's looked good as well when he's came in. I think, you know, he's trying to get used to that inverted role, which he's obviously not done um, at Lannis. And you can hear Ange, you know, Berna, 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 he's shooting at him constantly. He's trying to get him into that. But I just think just now you can see probably the lack of depth from our back forward when the more experienced players are left out. Obviously, we've saw some of those players that were away in international duty return to the team in the game against Rapid Vienna. Tomorrow night against Estrava, you're hoping to see probably a, a stronger kind of back four. Yeah, that's it. I think there was a. I think most of the reaction on social media after the the end of game was relatively sensible. I think there was a sort of outlying panic that our, our defence was looking a bit shaky. But listen, we're two games into preseason, and if you look at the defence we put out, you know, we didn't have. Juranovic at right back. We didn't have Starfelt. We Bernabe's only played you know two two games now. So I think I think there's time for it to come together, and I think that it will be better once we have those players back in. Yes, there's a slight depth issue, but I don't think it's that extreme. I think one one extra centre half, and I really do think the defence problem is relatively sorted. You know, you'll have Juranovic at right back with Ralston as backup, Starfelt and Vickers at centre half with you know the other one I mentioned being brought in and at left back you'll have Burnaby with Greg Taylor as his you know deputy so I think you know if we get that other centre half in I don't think that there are too many concerns for me in terms of how the defence are looking yes they did look a little bit shaky in our first two pre-season games but we weren't playing that back four that I just mentioned so relatively okay about it yeah I think Burnaby's showing a lot of promise he's showing you know a lot of good signs but again we can't judge him on what we've seen of him so far and Angel know that too it's all about game time and, and getting them you know integrated within the team um, similar with Urihidi, um I think it's interesting that he has played as many minutes as he has I think that's a real indication that Ange is using this time in these two games to get a really good look at him um, you know, it wasn't just 45 that we've seen for a lot of the players. You know, he's played longer than that. Um, and I think that's Angie's opportunity to look at him, look at him during a game and then decide on his next move, whether it is to be part of the squad, whether it's to be a loan move or whether it's to be a sale. So, you know, I'm sure he's had the opportunity to look at him and make the decision over over these couple of games. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm in total agreement with Brown Warrior on this who comments a lot on a Tuesday that it is pre-season. It's nothing more than building fitness and getting game time into legs and having a look at players, as you see, Natasha, whether you're going to retain players, get them out on loan, possibly give them another chance. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The, uh, the first thing that's yet to be decided from the manager, but I'm sure he's got a good idea and he's been getting a really good look at them. Uh, and also the in-between watching Love Island party. I don't know if you're a, a fan of the show, but Mikey Johnson's they're all watching them and the gaffers not having any of it. So <laughs> say they won't say, but coaches are watching it. I think it might be Gavin Stack and he looks like he's like <laughs> um, But we get to see, but but one man who I would probably put money on that definitely does fancy the old uh, Love Island is David Thumble. And he impressed me on Saturday when he came on. It's kind of incredible to think of how much of the season he missed and how important he'd been. He basically played all the minutes under Ange up until that injury and the final came out. But, you know, has uh, that pressing to, to win the ball back for Kyogo's goal, which is a fantastic finish. Yeah, and again, he was in the, the right position at the right time for the, the crossover. I thought it looked really good on and Saturday. And again, he could be a really, really important player for us going into the next season, David Turnbull. Totally, totally. <clears throat> ah, he does look like a Love Island fan, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> I think he, it was his birthday a day or two ago. Uh, I think he turned what, 23 or 24. But, you know, as you say, I, I th- I'm a big David Turnbull fan. I thought it was a, I think he is a phenomenal player. Um, you know, I think he'd be playing a lot more if we didn't have such quality in the midfield. You know, Hatati and O'Reilly, and then obviously Roger last season. Very tough competition for places. Then obviously Callum McGregor, you can't take him out the team um, so it's a shame for him in a way that he's not playing more but it's a good thing for Celtic but as you say he was phenomenal he started every game under Ange competitively until he got injured um, I think he came back was it late April was it the semi-final of Ross County away he came back yeah. um, and he did he played a relatively big part in the last couple of weeks of the season but another one you know if he can stay fit throughout the whole year he'll no doubt get plenty of minutes and be a, a key player for his and you know, he's a fantastic pass for the ball as well. Uh, an extremely talented player. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully he stays fit for the rest of the season. Yeah, I thought it looked really good in Saturday, Natasha. I don't know what your takeaway was, but I thought him and Kyogo combined perfectly. And again, you know, just having him back and making those runs, I mean, that finish um, was sublime. But yeah, uh, even his assist. It's just really nice to see that bit of quality back into your team again. And there are two players who I think may... Even though we had able deputies coming at the side, you know, Riley's and Yakimakis coming in, I think we did miss them. And I think just getting them back in at the side just makes it a different animal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that old cliche, isn't it, which I hate. But it is going to be like having a new signing with Turnbull coming coming back into the squad. He's got talent, he's got ability. And I think he will go some way to, you know, sort of making up for some of the things that we've lost in Tom Rogic. Um, so I am excited to see where, where he can progress his own career to and his own football to over the course of the season. Interestingly, um, I was reading an article by the Sportsman just yesterday um, and they had ranked the Celtic players by using their own stats in terms of performance over the course of the season and gave a top five. Now, what it didn't do was obviously take into account that Turnbull didn't play as many minutes as we'd hoped that he would over the course of the season. But for the minutes that he did play, he was our top ranked player in terms of their stats. So interesting and certainly promising because if he does manage to stay fit this season injury free, I can see him being a really important player for us and really coming on to a game. And already we're seeing the signs of that in pre-season. Um, 
I've, I've said, you know, from, from the end of last season, I, I think we are going to miss Tom Rogic, the player with that ability on the ball that I don't think anyone else in the squad has. The way he can, you know, make something happen, his transition from the middle of the park to, to the forward line are incredible. But I think that Turnbull's going to go some way in sort of, you know, helping address that. So I'm excited to see more for him. Yeah, um, I think he's a top, top player. And again, you know, I think that the level of opposition was much better as well from, from that. You know, Rapid Vienna looked like a better side. He just looked like he fitted in a wee bit more. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I think when he does come back at that side, and it's also uh, very good just to kind of add into that how much competition there is in that, that midfield spot just now, apart from probably Callum McGregor, that there's no real stick-ons um, here. Patrick, I want to come to you and a comment from Anthony here who said that his big shoot for the season is by Christmas. We've talked about how good James McCarthy has been forcing his way in at the first team. I can't see that happening. He does look a lot more trimmer in pre-season. Um, he's looked absolutely fine in the, the two games I think he's played. But I just don't see him breaking his way in. And I do think Celtic, we had a wee bit of debate last week with Lawrence in this. I do think we'll go out and sign a number six style player. And by the way, Adeguchi so far looks, you know, it doesn't look out of place at all. Yeah, um, you know, I, I can't see it either, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't know what age James McCarthy is. He's 33, 32, 33. Um, um, he was obviously a quality player, you know, five, six years ago for Everton. Um, you know, Celtic probably should have signed him in, what was it, 2009, 2010. Um, so, I mean, it's possible. And as you all say, you know, it's he's a lot thinner, he's a lot trimmer. He's obviously in, in better condition. Um, to the best of my knowledge, he wasn't injured last season. He just sort of didn't really feature that much. So the fact that he's he's not had an injury, you know, it's a bit rare for him. So hopefully he can be closer to match sharpness. And if he's closer closer to match sharpness, you know, you don't lose it. You don't lose that ability. And he is only what 32, 33, Did you say he's so, thirty one and it'll be thirty two in November this year? So, there you go. So not only six months older than James Forrest. So you, you know, um, not past it by any stretch. So it's it's possible, but. You know, you say about Adeguchi and then McGregor played that sort of six role last season. So I, I will struggle to see it, but it, it, it's not off the off the table totally. Yeah, it's not off the table, but, um, you know, I think there's a few people here, Natasha Green, with myself. So Adeguchi, um, Brown Warrior, thinks he will emerge as that player. What's, yeah. what's been your thoughts on, on Yusuke Adeguchi? Because he was the one who came in, um, probably apart from Dyson Maeda, we knew could do it. He'd won the league, I think, out in Japan. He'd been capped, I think. 14, 15 times for the international side and he was kind of the established one. It's just a pity that we didn't get to see him more after that injury against Alawa mm-hmm. and probably, you know, how close the title race was in his uh, recovery period. But I think this boy's going to be a player for us. Yeah, I'm much more excited about the season that Idiguchi's going to have than the season McCarthy's going to have, to be honest. Um, I don't see McCarthy featuring all too readily. Um, he didn't last season. I don't think he quite fits in with Angie's plans. I would be very surprised if it was Andrew's idea to sign. Um, and I don't really see him featuring too heavily in the upcoming season. Uh, if, uh, if I'm honest, Idiguchi is the one that excites me a lot more. I think that he's looked sharp in pre-season. I think he was really unlucky last season, you know, when he got his chance, he got that injury, unfortunate. And we've heard from, you know, players like Hitati, you know, we need to take account of how difficult it has actually been for them to, to settle in here. You know, it's not just what you see on the pitch. It's not just the training. There's the whole host of 
you know, issues that goes with the move that they've made, coming to Scotland, settling into a new country where you don't speak the language, learning a new sort of style of football, joining a new team. He had all that going for him as well. You know, of course, others did too. And Hatati's been very honest and come out and spoke about how, how difficult that has been. And maybe it's been underestimated at times, but Idiguchi's probably going to have faced all these similar issues as well. So, but now he's, you know, he's had a, a full season under his belt. He's been training with the, with the team. He's come over that injury. He's getting minutes in pre-season. And for him, you know, as well as us, he's got to see this season as his chance to make a real impact on the squad. And I'm sure he'll actually, you know, be pushing 100% to, to do that. And I can see it happening. You know, we've got that vacancy now in the role that he plays. We talked last week, Declan, and, you know, how important we think it is going to be to, you know, sign another number six for for that sort of role, Lawrence disagreed, as we know. But I still I still think that's the case. But I think Edigucci has a real opportunity to come in, you know, make his mark in, in the squad and go and buy his pre-season performances. I think he can certainly do that. Yeah, I think he can. I still do think that we will go and get that other number six, whether it's just for cover or, or no, or just rotation between Edigucci and possibly that other player. Um, would I be too disappointed if we don't, don't get a number six? Probably not if Adeguchi does come into a game, but you do leave yourself probably a bit short there, um, especially if he gets an injury. I know people will say Carl McGregor can go in there, but we saw him feature there predominantly most of last season. But, you know, I was spoken about just as maybe being a wee bit more edgy when it comes to those Champions League game and looking to play maybe kind of two controlling midfielders, which is what Brendan Rodgers tried to do with that Olivier and Cham signing, which was, what was it, five years ago today? Uh, time is passing very quickly. Um, yeah, I, I was at Lennox Town that day and I think it was one of the first punters to meet him as he came down in the, the car way with Mr Dembele and it was his birthday, so there you go. There's a wee daft story at Lennox Town. But as you said, Natasha, these players arrived in you know, midway through a season. They'd already played a lot of football. And that includes Matt O'Reilly. Matt O'Reilly obviously a bit more acclimatised to British football, but you know, Adiguchi's had that... Um, spell at Leeds United it never worked out but one of those other players who arrived in, in January who did look out a puffet you know at points past it was Rio Hitati and other folk are coming in here to say that they think he'll be unplayable this season Craig also in the comments thinks that we'll be talking about Maeda and Rio Hitati come Christmas mm-hmm. that they're going to be deadly um, I, I totally agree with that and I think just that full pre-season under their belt and just kind of you know getting back into the swing of things around the river Mavangers football is going to do those two the world of good yeah, I yeah. Uh, sorry, I yeah, you know it's he did look out of perfect times. He he's obviously scored that belt with Tyne Castle two against Rangers, and then particularly in, in derby games actually looked pretty poor. You know he had you know, we had glimpses. I think when we beat St Johnson seven nothing at home, he was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I think we had five weeks off, and then we've had I think three weeks of pre season now, and he looked really really sharp in that game on was it Wednesday I think. It was a particular standout, and you know Maeda as well. Towards the end of last season, I think um, he struggled a bit um, in February. You know Aberdeen away, Bodo at home. You know he wasn't really finding his form, but then towards the end of the season, Maeda was absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know the pressing and then the balls he was whipping into the box. It was it was phenomenal, and it, it's very exciting because you know I wouldn't quite say they're like new signings, but because we only get a couple of months glimpse of them to have them for a full season it, it, it's, a, it's an exciting prospect and you know to add Turnbull into that mix to add Adiguchi who is a bit like a new signing because we've barely seen him it is, it is very exciting and the fact that they all look good just now is you know it, it really does bode well 
Yeah, um, the Tatcha Weber talking about Dyson Maeda has been announced today that Celtic may be taking on Dyson's former club, uh, Yokohama F. Marinos, who we have played before in 2006. I had to look back on that this morning, and Nakamura called the performance a disgrace after it would get beat 3 0. Uh, Gordon Stanton said after the game that he knew he could only now trust 12 to 14 players in his squad. <laughs> Hopefully, that isn't the case by the time Celtic roll into uh, Japan in 2023, but it looks as if this. Is likely to go ahead, Dan Orlowitz, who's on Twitter, who's one of our probably most reliable sources on Twitter for Japanese football, um, has commented on it too. It looks like a no-brainer. I'm just surprised this never probably happened sooner. Um, but we're obviously jetting off to Oz in November and it looks as if Celtic's pre-season next year might just be in Japan. Yeah, it was only a matter of time, really. And as our friend Dan said, it's a bit of a tapping really, isn't it, in terms of the commercial side of things, you know, the branding, the publicity, the money-making, yeah, that's it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, and yeah, one of the games against Yokohama, Dan mentioned the other game might be against Basil Kobe, of course, two teams who gave us, you know, the, well, the players they did, Kyogo, obviously, from Basil Kobe, and we've seen from, you know, the pre-season, the, the affection and the bond that these Japanese players that we have over here still have with their old clubs back there and their fans back there too. You just saw the reception that Kyogo got when he went out onto the pitch at his, his former club over the course of their, their holiday. So it's nice that they still have that and it only makes sense to, you know, from a club, from a business perspective, to exploit that, you know, and to, to tap into that market more in terms of the commercial aspect. And yeah, it'll be uh, a good run out for the team too. The only thing to, to note, of course, that Dan brought up is the, the Asian Cup implications. Um, Japan have already qualified for. Um, that's going to be June 16 to July 16. So, you know, that takes up a good chunk of pre-season. Um, so any pre-season schedules for that time slot would mean that some of the Japanese players who are playing for the national team might not then feature in those pre-season games, which I'm sure would be a loss for the Japanese fans. But wait and see. It makes a lot of sense that we're going over there, so I'm not particularly surprised about it, but another another good move from the club, I would say. Yeah, I think this is something that Celtic's done really well. Uh, Patrick, you know, as Natasha says, a good move for the club, obviously. We've set up um, the Celtic FC Japan Twitter account. Those tweets are kind of scheduled for different times of the day. You kind of, you know, tune in with uh, different time zones. We see Celtic's teamed up uh, in a collaboration with VCL Cobb, Kyogo's old team. You can buy mugs, scarves and whatever else. Um, with that deal and it just seems to make a lot of perfect sense and, and again you know the standard of Japanese football which was um, you know people laughed at you know for a good while not not Celtic fans because we, we could tell that you know from what we were watching under Ange this was the real deal we know Ange won the league out there the standard of Japanese footballs, you know at a very good pace we can see that with the players of watching our current team and going out there is going to be a good test for us even if it is going to be you know another year down the line yeah, and you, you only need to look at Iniesta, you know, his team's in the relegation zone, but if, if Japan was a doddle, they'd be strong in the league every year, so it's 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 a it's a, a great standard, um, you know, we all know that, some people underestimated it, but that was to their ruin um, last season, but I, I suppose the only surprise is it's not happened sooner, you know, we've obviously got the Australia tour in November, um, Everton are joining us for that, aren't they? Um, the so... Uh, we can play for it's a grand old team to play for and get everyone yep. singing. Uh, <laughs> but Aussie I, style. I, <laughs> um but no, it's great marketing from the club. Um, you know it's probably 
it's all about growing the, well, it's not all about growing the brand obviously we've signed four great players and we've got a great manager from Japan but you know it helps to grow the brand you know we sort of struggle to break it out of Europe but you know we've got a we've got an Argentinian South American player we've got guys from Japan and an Australian manager uh, we've been you know looking in like Iranian markets you know that striker we're linked with who is in the Germany Celtic top never signed but it's all about growing Celtic and expanding our horizons Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, it, it's good movement from the club. It's good good, uh, good business, good marketing. And, um, you know, looking forward to it. Need to get our flights booked to Japan for, for next July. Well, unfortunately, at this point in time, this is something that Dan did touch on. Obviously, I know a couple of Celtic fans that are over in Austria at this moment in time and have made the trip through to the Czech Republic. At this point in time, Japan's borders are still closed to any kind of foreign uh, visitors. So hopefully, by the time 2023 comes around, the situation over there, I think, with regards to COVID and whatnot, is Cam doing a good bit. But, you know, that might be a real shame because I'm sure there's other Celtic fans from around that part of the world. There will probably be a contingent of Celtic fans that would fancy the trip to Japan and get to get to go over there so yeah we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one but just just to come back to this one from Little Mai so he's asking do we know who the Japanese players have made it into the Japan squad for the World Cup we'll be supporting them anyway yes I've got my Japan top at the ready as of yet obviously we don't know I think it's the announcement's possibly September time maybe October we'll find out these squads um, I think Maeda's probably the, a stick on with Kyogo and then the other two you know the squads are bigger whether they, they break in yet to be kind of decided but those are probably the two that will definite but again Celtic are going to benefit off that because you'll get paid for each player that's at the World Cup they won't get the full chunk because Celtic wouldn't have been in contract with them for over two years but they'll still get a wee a cut every day about, about 70 grand per day for each player so it's not too bad so that'll do us very nicely um, getting back to the current matters back to transfers uh, Natasha Jordan Larson looks as if it's an all-goer um, it looks as if you know there seem to be a kind of uh, but a fog kind of around this deal that you know it said that Celtic weren't interested. That wasn't the case. It was Jordan Larson's agents who were contacting clubs to see. Just at this point in time, obviously, maybe Celtic didn't feel the deal was right. It's not a position to maybe looked at. What, what, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, I understand why Celtic aren't perhaps moving at this period of time. Obviously, Larson's agent's in a position that he needs to find his player at a club and he's going to be contacting a lot of different clubs and I'm sure that Celtic were one of them and I think, you know, it's been well documented that Jordan is interested in coming to Celtic and sees that as, you know, somebody he'd like to play his football at some point in his career. Um, and I think I was quoted on the shows last week as saying that I probably would have taken him. Um, you know, he's free transfer by all accounts. He's had a, a great season in Russia. He's made over 70 appearances for Spartak. He's been capped at international level. He's flexible across the forward positions, which I think is something we know that Ange likes and fits our system 
pretty well. So yeah, I think regardless of what his second name would be, if you're getting linked with this player on a free transfer, you're going to consider him a good option. Um, you know, before the situation in Russia, I don't think we would have been able to afford to buy him from Spartak. That stumbling block's been removed, but I think there's now a new stumbling block, and that is that we're well covered, you know, in his position with players like Kyogo and Giacomakis. Yes, he can play out wide as well, but we've got good cover there. You know, we've got Abada and Meza who can also come in and play through the middle. You know, so we're never going to be able to offer Jordan a guaranteed start, and he's going to look at that depth of player we have in the positions that he plays and maybe struggle to see how he's going to get in in front of any of them at this period in time. It could be rotational. I think that'll play a really important factor this season with the number of games we're going to have. But, you know, on top of the perhaps not guaranteed game time, you've got to look at the fact that Jordan's now been linked with teams like, you know, Forrest who are showing interest. They're going to be in the market to offer him huge wages in comparison to what we can. So, well, I think that, yes, the idea of, you know, another Larson at Celtic is nice. And yes, Jordan could, you know, be a great value to the squad. It's just not quite aligned for him to come to Celtic at this period in time. But you never know in the future. Yeah, it would have been nice. You know, as you say, it probably wouldn't have been a deal we could have got done had, you know, what's happened with Russia invasion invading Ukraine at this moment in time. It probably wouldn't have been a deal that could have got done, but his contract was ripped up over there. He'd returned back to Sweden. He was training alone. As you say, you know, there's been the links to, to Nottingham Forest. Now a Premier League side can offer him good money. I think there's also teams in Germany and Italy interested in him. Um, Patrick, it would have been a, a nice deal, but again, there's possibly something what Natasha says there that Celtic just couldn't probably guarantee maybe the first team football that he's maybe looking for just now. And as I said to you, maybe when we came off here, I've not watched a, a lot of Jordan Larson, um, but you know, it probably doesn't get into the team before Kyogo. And again, you know, does he get into the team in front of Yakimakis? I, I don't know that, but it just that could possibly be one of the, the sticking points for this. Yeah, we're at a bit of a disadvantage really when it comes to, you know, when Nottingham Forest have a, I would argue, a weaker team than us but can offer triple the wages, it's it's quite a disadvantage. Um, you know, I'd, I'd still take them. You know, if he chose Celtic above all all those other clubs, I'd still take them. Um, you know, it's probably the best chance we're ever going to get at signing them. Um, so I'd have taken the, the chance, you know, the shirt sales alone, would have made us an absolute fortune. I think he's I think he's more than a decent player. I think he probably would have got plenty of game time. Whether he's a starter or not, I don't know. But it's it's over now, you know, Celtic aren't interested, so you know, no point trying over spilled milk. Um he'll no doubt have a great career. You know, he's a very talented player. But um it's I suppose it's good in a way because it doesn't really tarnish that sort of Larson legacy. You know, there was rumours of Larson coming in as a manager, as a coach, and I think ninety percent of Celtic fans are opposed to stuff like that because you just don't really want to touch that. You just want to leave it where it is because he's he's arguably Celtic's greatest ever player, uh, one of the most loved players. So best to just leave it alone, I think. Yeah, maybe just best leave it alone. And again, you know, whatever Jordan. Tuesdays, we wish him all the success. Um, and if he does maybe, you know, in later life fancy a tip up the road to Glasgow, and if they're maybe struggling for a striker, I'm sure he'd be more than welcome. One player, Natasha, who looks as if he is on the way to Celtic Park, um, is Dylan Reid. Now, we saw him 
I think I'm correct in saying feature against us in that game just after the League Cup final mm. when we had all the COVID call-offs as did St Mun, but we were held to an all-nil draw. I remember um, I had COVID, I just taken it that day, Christmas was ruined, <laughs> watched Celtic draw an all-nil with St Mun, <laughs> things were not too good. Um, and another flick on Twitter, and everybody had is losing the league that night. So yeah, it wasn't the best twenty-four hours, but um, this looks like a deal that um, could be a, a, a gore. And you know, do you think this is going to be straight into the B team? And Juan just said that he's basically leaving B team recruitment to the coaches involved in that, whether that's Steve McManus, Dan Day, etc. Um, but you know, supposedly maybe just to get the deal over the line. Ange Postecoglou said that chat with him. And maybe re-emphasise that you know if you do impress you in this B team, or possibly a loan move out, that's maybe yet to be decided. You will get your chance in the first team. Yeah, I think um, it's great that we're able to attract that kind of talent. Um, a key element of our model has to be securing the best young talent in the country, um, and not only attracting them and getting them to Celtic, but retaining them. We need to make sure that these young guys, these you know top talent at that age group believe that Celtic is the best place for them to progress with their football, develop as a player, develop their career. And I think now with the way that we have the B team set up, I think we'll see a lot more of that ambition of making the Celtic this great option for young Scottish talent. I think we'll see more of that be able to come into reality with the evidence of this B team pathway. Um, and I think the signing of potential signing of Dylan Reed proves that. You know, despite interest, I believe, from clubs like Benfica, he's thought that, you know, OK, if Celtic probably going straight into Celtic B team with a potential pathway to the first team. That's where I want to, to play and develop my football. Um, I don't think he's good enough to come into the first team yet. Um, so I think it is more likely to be B team. But he only has to look at players like we've talked about over the course of this show. Players like Boston Lowell, who has had a really good season in the B team. And now he's away in, in Austria training with the first team and featuring in our pre-season games. Mm. And I think that more that time goes on now that we have the B team set up the way it is, the more time goes on, we'll have more examples of players like Boston Lawwell to show that the B team is a realistic pathway to the first team. And having Stephen McManus in charge of it now, um, with his you know previous links to the first team, having them training exactly the same way as the first team, making it less of you know a separate team, but more of you know a, a proper B team, you know a real pathway. I think is going to be great for for youth development, and we need to get the best youth talent into that team to help develop them. So I think it's a good example of that um, and a good bit of business by the club. Yeah, I think it's good business. Patrick, what's your, your take on this as another Patrick community? He thinks that the B team is wasted in the Lowland League, um, but we need a better setup than that. What's your thoughts on it? Because Celtic were well off the pace last season in the Lowland League. They didn't win it. You know, Bonnie Dig Rose, I'm sure Amy, um, our very own Axon contributor, would remind us that Celtic didn't win the league. Bonnie Rigg um, won the league. And from what you know, I watch certainly in that game at Celtic Park between Celtic and Rangers, Celtic looked well off the pace of that Rangers team in that night. Yeah, um, I don't know about well off the pace. I thought it was just a poor game. Um, we never looked like scoring. Uh, but, I I mean, I don't think we can complain about the quality of the league when we're only finishing third. Um, I think it was third, wasn't it? Aye. Uh, so, I don't think we can complain about the quality. Um, if this Dylan Reid is to go straight into the B team, that will obviously give us an advantage. Um, but you know, I, I I can't claim to watch much of it. I, I only know that we finished third, and then I seen that game in April. Obviously, um, I know that Sterling Reid's meant to be a, a quality player. You know, my friend Graham's isn't a fan. He was wanting a million pounds for him. 
Um, I think they've accepted a bit of 125 grand, so he won't be too happy. But um, no, a good signing. Uh, obviously, you know, as Natasha said, you need to, you need to look at these areas to, to help with the model that the club are operating on. Sign, sign young talented players, help them progress, and then sell them on for a fee. Um, you know, whether the B team is the right place for the development is another question, but I don't think we can complain about the quality when we're only finishing third. Yeah, there's other people coming in here to say that, you know, that, that move, Natasha, from going to the SPFL Premiership to the Lowland League wouldn't inspire me. But is it maybe about changing the perspective of what the Celtic B team is and not looking at maybe the league that they're playing in, but the pathway into the first team rather than the actual the setup of where they're playing their football? Yeah, I think it has to be because realistically, you know, as much as he may be a very talented player, Dylan Reed isn't going to come in and get into the Celtic first team. So that leaves him with two options. One is, you know, Celtic buy him and then put him straight back out on loan, which is fine. No, no, definitely not against that option. Or the other option is you keep him in-house, if you like, playing with your B team, more like a reserve team, and eventually make that pathway into the first team. And if we keep him here rather than send him out on loan, he trains in the style that we're playing. He trains with the coaches that are going to be working the same methods that Ange and Kennedy and Cool are. And he stays in-house and we keep a better eye on him if you like and that is of course is one of the key benefits of having that B team there but yeah maybe the quality of the, the Lowland League isn't going to be the same quality he's going to get playing at St Mirren so I get the benefit of a loan move, I get the benefit of keeping him in house I totally agree if he's going to get game time at St Mirren the prospect of dropping down to the you know Lowland League isn't going to be that inspiring but I think for players like that it's all about the long term picture you know, you're coming in to train and play with Celtic. You're training with, you know, the coaches that are training the, the first team or at least training the styles that they are. And you have to be seeing it as, you know, a bouncing block into the Celtic first team rather than a move to the Lowland League. I think you have to have your ambitions on doing that within, you know, a year or so. And maybe it is that sideways step to take a bigger step forward. And if he's seeing the Celtic B team setup is going to allow him to do that, then yeah, maybe a different perspective on things and it might work for him. Patrick, what's your, your take on that? Again, you know, we've had commenters come in here to say that they agree that they'd rather keep players in-house. Um, you know, one player who looked, you know, impressive up against a side who, who weren't too impressive was Johnny Kenny. Unlucky not a bag of hat-trick the other night. Um, <laughs> you know, it was very typical striker's goals. He should have had a third if it wasn't for Chris Julian just kind of barging in and taking the goal off him. <laughs> And uh, not acknowledging them after it, but again, you know, that's football. You want your goals, but uh, he looked impressive the other, the other night. And, and again, he's one that brought over, was playing first team football, went right into the B team, and he may be looking at, you know, w- w- what is your take on this? Because do you would you rather players get sent out on loan to maybe players in the championship? One player, an example of that is Jonathan Afalabi, who has just not worked out with. He's now getting linked to a move to Portsmouth. He was at Dundee. He was at Air United. It just it didn't work out at all. Or would you rather keep them in house, do what Natasha's saying there, have them playing in your style, playing through the system, and then hoping that one day that they can make that step up? Um, I, I don't think there's a there's a correct answer for for every single player. You know, I mean, guys like Adam Montgomery who were playing in the the youth team and the B team, you know, they they broke through or he broke through, played a couple of games, but then he's been sent out on loan. So maybe it's a mix of both. You, you play them. They, they learn the style, they know how to play the Celtic way and then to sort of build fitness and play against slightly better opposition, you send them out on loan for 6-12 months um, you know, look at Callum McGregor, he went to 
uh, Notts County, 12 months, came back, broke in under Dyla, uh, was out the team for a bit and then obviously he's kicked on. So I don't think there's I don't think there's a there's a there's an answer to every player, a uniform answer. But um no, I think definitely having a B team where they're playing Ange ball, if you will, playing the Celtic way, getting players used to that system. Um, you know, inverted full backs, having left backs and right backs learn how to play inverted, you know, and all the other stuff that goes along with it. I think that can only be a good thing. It, it's just a matter, you know, building the physicality and playing against a higher level of opposition, you probably do have the same players out in loan um, for something like that. Yeah, I think it possibly might just be with the stage they're at. I think that could possibly be a thing that's a kind of hybrid option of the way that you, you treat players because, you know, Adam Montgomery, I think, is a good example. Getting sent out in Aber- Aberdeen after playing all those, I think it was 18 appearances he made last season in the first team. You know, he probably needed to be playing at that kind of standard level of football to try and have another good look at him which is what Michael Ross is reminding us of here. Natasha, in the comments, he said that Ayer, obviously that move out to Kilmarnock, Ryan Christie had the move to Inverness in London, to Aberdeen, even Ralston out to St Johnston, and then the United all loaned out, and obviously Callum McGregor too. Um, but would you say it's probably that hybrid approach now that you maybe look at a player and think, you know, can we help them progress more and develop more, just keep them in-house, or possibly if they've made that breakthrough into the first team, it's then time to maybe shift them on to another Premiership club or a Championship club. But again, look at Connell's another example of a player who just disappeared after getting shifted down to Scottish League 1. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think it's going to vary depending on every player. There's not going to be a one-size-fits-all approach to this or to our process of B-team or, or loan move. Um, and it's just going to depend on the player and who we have already in that position. So I think we're going to have to take it on a case-by-case basis. I think the more established the B team gets, the better they develop. And I think they, they will, with the sort of changes that we've made to their structure over the course of this pre-season, I think that's going to become a more viable and preferred option to sending them out on loan. It's all about keeping them in-house and training them, you know, the Celtic way, getting them playing the style of football that we want them to play. And I think that one thing Ange has turned his attention to over the course of this pre-season is the setup of the backroom side of things, the setup of the B team. And I think we're going to see that used a lot more than we are the, the loan move. I don't know, perhaps, you know, coming through the system, players like, you know, McGregor, um, who we mentioned went out on loan, perhaps, you know, and nowadays that would be a player who would, you know, stick in the B team without going out on loan. He's stick in the B team for a while and then come up to, to the first team. Um, so... Interesting one. I think, like I said, it'll depend on the, the circumstances. It'll depend who we already have playing in that position. And it'll depend on the loan options available. You know, if there is a, a better loan option out there, if we think that there's going to be a higher standard of football, we might prefer that. But I think the way that the club are putting a lot of attention into the B team and restructuring the B team suggests that their preferred approach is going to be B team football before first team football. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think it's all about. Um, you know, a player by player basis that you judge them on that rather than just a one size fits all approach to it. Patrick, on this, you know, one of our commenters here, Frank Kennedy, came in, came in to say that he doesn't really see a point in paying the 125 grand for a player that you're just going to throw into that, that B team. He believes that maybe money could be better spent on wages. I think we do need to look, you know, broaden our horizons here. It can't just be the 11 players on the park. Because, you know, for instance, with Dylan Reid, if he comes in, makes a step up with the, the first team and they end up putting them for, you know, four or five million quid further down the line, it's absolutely well worth it. I don't think you can just concentrate on 11 players in the part or just your, your first team squad. There needs to be a development pathway for players breaking through that Celtic Youth Academy 
and players that are bringing in at the youth academy to then develop and then bring them through. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, you just need to look at look at the squad, see how many players have been in the academy. You know, Stephen Welsh, uh, Ralston, two backup defenders. You've got Forrest. Um, you've got guys like Mikey Johnson, and then obviously McGregor in the middle of the park. So you've got a lot of guys who, if you totally forgot about the academy, forgot about the B team, these are the guys that you wouldn't have, and there'd be a big massive hole in your squad. Um, so no, I think it, it's really important that you focus on the youth, especially in today's football, you know, you've got Bayern Munich coaching our 16, 17 year olds, you've got, you know, we're letting Hickey go and then he's away to Brentford by the time he turns 20, so clubs are looking at players younger and younger and Celtic need to be a part of that if they want to keep progressing in, in the modern modern world of football, so you can't just be signing players for a fee at the age of 20 and 21, because you know, you might still be able to compete, but I think it'll be it'll be more expensive in the long run because you're missing out on these, even if it's just a development fee for someone like Dylan Reid, if he was to move on in a few years' time, you know, that's you're either getting a player or you're getting some sort of fee. So I think it's important that we, we take that side of the game seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Um Natasha Craig's come in here to say that he believes the Academy and the B team should be a massive focus for a club like Celtic if they really want to become a serious source in Europe. I remember this got brought up at an AGM um, a good few years ago. Peter Lowell's response was it to that you know Celtic couldn't do what, what they call an Ajax, as in you know press the restart button, go a season without winning a league title, and coming back. But I don't think that's the approach that we want to, to take at all. We wanted to take that mixed approach where you invest, you try and develop players that can come into that first team. It will save you shekels down the line because you'll have a you know a conveyor belt of players that will just go into that team. And again, it's kind of that old thing. But we like our traditions at Celtic and, you know, homegrown players are the ones that we always attach ourselves to almost naturally. And it's always been something that's, you know, been successful for the club throughout the years. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a difference between doing what Ajax are doing and investing a little bit more in our youth. I think there's a massive gap between the the two approaches um, and we need to try and position ourselves somewhere in the middle of that. Um, it, It just makes sense in the long run. I think it's been far too rare that we've had a player go like, you know, like Keaton Tierney did, you know, bring him through and sell him for the money that we did. I think before that, you're probably looking back to players like Aidan McGiddy. And if you're only able to name like two like that in the sort of spell that we're talking about, that isn't quite enough. I want to be bringing through, you know, a lot more of that type of player, some of them to, you know, who will maybe stay at Celtic for their full career, like James Forrest, Callum McGregor, and some who won't, like Aidan McGeady and Kieran Tierney, who will sell on for a profit. But we're not bringing through enough players like that. I want to focus on making sure that there is the, that next generation lined up, and it's not just once every five years, once every six, seven, eight years, that we're able to sell a player like Kieran Tierney. That needs to be happening a lot more often. But if you're looking at, you know, the system at the moment, we're struggling to retain that talent. You know, if you're looking at some of the better players that we had in the system, players like Ben Doak, even Gieldy, we're not able to keep them. So I think what we need to be focusing on is, is firstly making sure that we've got that player in our setup, but not losing them, not losing them to, you know, the, the clubs in Europe, clubs like Leeds. We want to be keeping hold of them. And hopefully, you know, with the way that the B team is progressing, we're going to start doing that because that is going to, needs to be a really important part of our model. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. And again, Patrick, you know, in terms of European success, we can't afford to go and buy players for, for big, massive amounts of money. It's just not going to happen. I see that I think it's Burnley there or another club down there are going to buy somebody for 20 million quid. That's a long, long way off for Celtic, a nice TV deals and whatnot improve. So we can't buy our way to success that other teams you know, have did in the past. Um, 
and to have uh, you know felt the consequences of it. It's not you know in the, the way of probably doing things, but again, it'd be so much better if you could develop your own talent, bring them through, and you know create a, a damn good side. We've got a good side at this point in time, but it's always always great to to bring that conveyor belt of talent through. Yeah, totally, and it's all about you know, you know. N- you know, they, they say work smart, not hard. And obviously, we need to work hard, but work smart as well. You know, guys like O'Reilly, who were signing for, what is it, a million, a million quid, you know, signing guys who, you know, not quite a diamond in the rough, but a sort of hidden gem, you know, signing guys in the cheap, and then they have, you know, two or three great seasons, and then you can either keep them for another couple of years, or you can sell them for a big profit. Um, and, you know, Ange has certainly done that so far. Um, it's something that we obviously need to continue to do. It's like the sort of... The, the Brentford money ball that everyone sort of goes on about recently. Um, it's something Celtic need to look at. You know, we obviously have a player trading model, but as you say, when Burnley are spending twenty million, we, we really do need to look at these sort of guys who are probably undervalued, and then we can uh, develop and, and sell on for a fee. And obviously, the academy is part of that. You know, as Natasha says, apart from Kevin Tierney, you can't really think of a big money move since Aidan McGeady, um, which. Is, is something we need to look at and hopefully it's something that the club are looking to um, progress at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's one that, you know, we, we do need to look at and again, you know, I think we probably know who from that, uh, from his name on, on YouTube, whatever, English team he supports, Egyptian King with that, with the Mo Salah picture there, but you've seen if you focus on the youth squad, like Liverpool do, they can, you know, unearth some James and Liverpool have actually did that very well. Obviously, Natasha, this is a completely different ball game, you know, pardon the pun, with the money and the riches that Liverpool have at their disposal in terms of just everything that they've got. But, you know, you've seen people like Harvey Elliott, you're trying Alexander Arnold and whatnot break into that Liverpool team. Yeah, we've not got as much money, you know, as Liverpool. Great facilities up at Lennox Town. We hope that we're improving the coaching, bringing Steve McManus in, whether there's any other additions to go in there, they'll be interested to see. But it's just about having, you know, every part of your football club in working order, which is something, you know, maybe Celtic's not had you know, not, Celtic's not did too well for, for too many years now. But the fact that we can only really mention Aidan McGeady and Kieran Tierney is the only two players that have came through, you know, the famous gates at Paradise and just, you know, not commanded a big free when have departed. Yeah, and I think I think it's something that Andrew's maybe turning his focus to slightly more now. I think obviously his first season in charge he had a big enough task on his hands with rebuilding the first team squad. That was well documented. That was going to take up a lot of his time. Um but, you know, he's he's come through that, had a very successful first season, and now, you know, he's got a bit of a longer pre-season. There's not the size of the rebuild. You know, we've not got these qualifiers coming up. So he's had a bit more time, and I think what he's turned his focus to a bit more is the backroom operations. He's looking at analysts. He's bringing in people in that sphere. He's reshuffling the BT management setup. He's moving his coaches around. He's bringing people like Harry Cool in. So I think... Yes, he has been focusing on the first team for last season, understandably, that's what we wanted. But now maybe it's time to have a look a bit more closely at how some of the other things around the club are run, how the backroom systems run, how the B-team systems run. And hopefully the more he turns his attention to it, the, the better it gets, because, you know, everything he's done so far seems to be turning to gold. So hopefully, long may that continue. Yeah, this was another example of a player we bought in for a very you know low fee, but I think you know our point was just coming right through you know, from young boy through to man and then going for the fee. But, yeah, that that was an example of Celtic doing very well with that business. They passed it with Jeremy Frimpong. I think it was, you know, a few hundred grand and we sold them on for 
for eleven million over to Bayer Leverkusen. He's became you know a, a real key player for them. Obviously, we, we saw him featured against us last year in the Europa League, and you know you never know you could get drawn against Bayer Leverkusen again in the Champions League. I think they're in pot three, so but, but we could see them again. And um, just kind of returning where we're in the you know talk about you know youth and academy players coming through. Probably I missed to you know talk about Michael Johnson. He's came back in, back return fit. He's looked fairly decent. Patrick, I know you were a big fan of him when he broke into that Celtic team. It's wavered a wee bit with just his injury problems. Is this last chance saloon for the the Celtic winger this season? Yeah, I think it is probably. Um, I think last season it would have been if he wasn't injured. But I think injury or no injury, I think this season's probably his last chance. Um, you know, I I I still don't doubt he's got. Uh, bags of natural ability. It just it doesn't seem to work. You know, he doesn't seem as, as physically ready as the rest of the players. He doesn't seem to have bulked up when he gets to that sort of nineteen twenty age the way you know Tierney did um, back in twenty seventeen. You know, I'm I'm not quite sure what it is his decision making. I think I mean, he's obviously a confidence player. You know, I think I remember um, the the three two game um, in December, the European night. That didn't matter. Um, the biggest but- yeah, the Betis game. I, I was thinking of a French team there. Um, but I think he tries to square that it when he should just shoot. It was Lille the year before. Aye, same same scoreline. I don't actually think he played in that game. No, it's the Betis one. He, he squares yeah. it to someone and it's just the, the, the decision making is all wrong yeah. because I don't think he scored for Celtic in two and a half years. I think it draws County away 2019, December. It's the last time he scored. So um, I think if he could get a competitive goal early this season, I think that would do, the, do him the world, the world of good. Um, but aye, probably last chance alone, but fingers crossed it works out for him. Natasha, on that point of being a, a confidence player, I, I don't think he's going to get the game to know that he maybe needs to kind of get that confidence up. Obviously, we've signed Jota for over £6 million. You know, Maeda signed permanently. Abada, who is younger, I think, than Michael Johnson, just you know mm-hmm. looks a far better player than him. Um, and obviously we've got James Forrest in a new contract now, so I, I don't really know where Michael Johnson kind of fits in at Celtic to get that game team that you know Patrick touched on that is probably needed for him. Yeah, for me, unfortunately for Michael Johnson, there are too many players in the positions that he can play that are better than him, that are more established in the squad, that are you know that are advancing him in terms of game time and football ability. And it's just unfortunate. So right now, I don't see him breaking into the first-team squad. He's not going to displace any of the players that you just mentioned. So what he needs to do in terms of football is he either needs to think about a loan move to go and play somewhere alone and perhaps develop his ability, get that confidence up like we've talked about, and then perhaps come back and play a part for Celtic. Or he needs to decide that it's just not quite working and it isn't going to work. So he needs to be looking for a move somewhere away that he is going to get first-team football and sort of try and re-establish his career again because it's really went by the wayside over the last year or so um, I think a move to another Scottish club would be great for him whether that's on loan or, or permanent basis because he's not going to get the game time he needs at Celtic this season he needs to go and find that somewhere for his career yep, Want to maybe keep your, your eyes on um, when we're back next week the three of us um, we'll be back we've been back to Celtic Park which I'm really, really looking forward to we've got Blackburn at home at half past 12 we'll be back tomorrow on Axon Um to cover the, the Banner Costava again. It's a centenary centenary match. It looks like there's going to be quite a good crowd turning up for that one. Um, uh, you know, some contrast to the, the Legia game, which the stadium looks absolutely empty um, for that game at this moment in time, which is a real shame for, for Arthur Boric. But um, 
Yeah, um, it'll be good to, to get back on Saturday. I'm sure you both will be there um, too, like myself. So that'll be good. We'll be back for that. Thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Um, it's always good to get a catch up and chat about Celtic with you two guys. So that's been great. Please, if you've been watching, do like and subscribe to the channel. We'll be keeping you covered for all the transfer news, everything that's happening in the world of Celtic throughout the week. Um, and apart from that, Natasha, Patrick, thanks for joining me in a Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.